Hey everyone, welcome to the Revive West Des Moines podcast. I'm Jamie Richards, the Young Adult Minister at Hope West Des Moines. What you are about to hear is the live recording from Revive West Des Moines this past week. We hope you can connect with God and the good life that God has for you through what you hear in this message. Check it. Because we're calling 2023 the whole Holy Bible in a year, that's our theme. We want to invite you, if it's your first time or if it's your 21st time, to read through the whole Bible. We even have a slacker track called Just Read the New Testament, if that's all you can handle. And it's much shorter. (laughs) It'll do. It'll be great. And each weekend, to make it easy for you, we're going to preach on what we read together as a church. And we're going to do weekly live podcasts, Wednesdays at 12 noon. We're going to have daily devotionals that'll be on our website. We're going to have devotionals for your families. We're going to have stuff for the kids, all ages. We're going to have classes, Bible studies, places for you to get to know this book, the Holy Bible, the written Word of God, so you can get to know the incarnate Word of God, Jesus Christ. And we're going to read the Bible and get to know Jesus and God, and I'm so, so excited about it. Hello, everybody. My name is Jamie. On the count of three, I want you to tell me your name. One, two, three. Jamie. Awesome. We're all friends now. <laughs> Jacob. Uh, I'm so glad that you decided to start your year off right. Give yourself a pat on the back and say, I did a great job. (laughs) Say it like you mean it. I did a great job. You're here and I'm really, really glad. Uh, I see a lot of familiar faces that call Revive home base and I'm really excited that you are here. I also see a lot of new faces or faces that I haven't seen in a while, and I just wanted to say welcome, Um, and a special welcome to you if you are brand new. Worship was really hype at the beginning, and that might have been really fun for some of you, and that might have been scary for others of you (laughs) to be like, wow, are these people nuts? The answer is yes. (laughs) But we get really excited about worship. We get really excited about praising God here at Revive. But we want you to know, however it is that you feel comfortable worshiping, if it is like this, you are welcome here. If it's a little bit like this, you're welcome here. If you're like this, you are welcome here. We're just so glad that you're here. And a couple like housekeeping and introductory notes. If you are brand new, please don't assume that everybody knows everybody here. That is not the case. This is a really great place to get to know people, to grow in community, and to make friends. But I do want to say a note about that. There is often a common misconception that somehow, well, church is different than other places in a lot of ways, but there's this misconception that somehow you like walk into the doors of a church or a young adult ministry and immediately meet your best friends. Meeting people here is the same as it is at the gym or any other classes or anywhere else that you go. You have to kind of put yourself out there. You kind of have to uh, dip your toe in. But once you take that leap and you take that step of putting yourself out there and meeting community, there are really awesome people here who are also excited to meet you and to get to know you, to get to know your story, to get to know what makes you excited uh, about getting out of bed or just to say, yay, you got out of bed. (laughs) And uh, we're really glad that you're here. And so if you are brand new or if you haven't been around for a minute, I really just wanted to reiterate so many of the announcements. These are a couple of the highlights that I wanted to pick and then add a few more. The Revive Group's 
kickoff starts this Tuesday, and I'm really excited about it, not only because it's going to give you the opportunity to get face-to-face with people that are like-minded, that are young adults, that are interested in growing in their faith, or at least interested in growing in Christian community. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, and you're interested in diving deeper, or maybe you're like, man, I don't really know. I'm just kind of dipping my toe in, and I don't really have a ton of like Jesus-y friends, and I'm looking for some community that can support me in my faith. This is a great way to do that. We're going to do the Bible track together, New Testament and or Old Testament. You get to choose. And so that starts Tuesday, and I highly encourage you to go to the website and register for that. I realize there's no link on there. It just says that it's happening, but not like how to get involved. You can go to the website um, or the link in our Instagram bio. Alpha is really awesome. I've taken Alpha. Raise your hand if you've taken Alpha or hosted Alpha. Is it awesome? Should people take it? Yes. Okay. It's... The front row particularly is hyped tonight. (laughs) It's really great. Uh, Also, if you're brand new to Revive, we have an event specifically for you in February after you kind of get to know us a little bit on Thursday nights by coming to worship. Uh, We're going to have an event for you. And then lastly, if you're like ready to go, ready to travel with people that you are believing in faith that you're going to get to know this year, (laughs) we invite you to sign up by the end of January to go to Mexico together. (laughs) And it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited. I've been on this trip before. Revive has done this trip before. uh, And so it's going to be really, really awesome. So uh, there are also a lot of other things that are going on. We have a really, we have a ton of awesome guys at Revive right now. We always have awesome girls, but right now, like the guys are, they've got it going on. It's really exciting. And so we've got it. Can we hear a woo for the dudes? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) And so if, if you're interested in guy things, I don't know, there's like some ax throwing things coming up soon. And dude stuff, not like that's not a girl thing. I love throwing axes, don't get me wrong. Um, but you can find more about that. Um, we'll have a, we have a QR code you can sign in the back to get signed up for a group me. Anyway, we got a lot of things going on. So we are diving into the whole Holy Bible this year as an entire church, not just Hope West Des Moines, but all of Hope's campuses, all of Hope's local sites, everybody who's a part of our online um, and podcast membership. We're all reading the Bible together, which is kind of mind-blowing to me to think about thousands of people around the world are already reading the Bible, but we're reading as a church the same passages together. And I just think that is really cool that God through the power of the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ is uniting his people through reading the word together, through reading scripture. And I cannot wait to see what God does through God's word in us this entire year, whether you're doing the Old Testament and New Testament track, whether you're just doing the New Testament. If you're like, I started three years ago and I'm still working my way through, God's going to work through it. And I'm really, really excited about it. The one thing that I do want to say about this, uh, well, two things that I want to say about this. One is I'm I don't know what motivates you, but there are some fun things that motivate me, and they're called gold stars. Does anyone get motivated by gold stars? <laughs> and so next week, starting next week, we're going to have this in the back every single week. And if you did the reading for the previous week, like we're still in the first week of January, so we haven't completed this week's reading. But next week when you arrive, you can put a gold star right here if you did this week's reading. And then we're just going to see 
how it goes. Because I know you're here, you made the right choice and you're here the first week. But what about the people who come next week? And what about the people who start coming to Revive in March? And they're like, well, maybe I'm not gonna start reading the Bible because I'm already two months behind. No, no, we just want to invite people always to just jump right on in. And so if people arrive and they haven't done January and they haven't done February, but they start in March, should they put a gold star on here if they did the reading? Yeah, see, so uh, anyway, we're really excited about this. I love gold stars. Any teachers in the house? Yeah, okay, got a few. So one of the other things that I wanted to say as we start the whole Holy Bible in a year is this. Our generation knows, not necessarily any better than any other generations, but just really well, how scripture has been used to hurt other people. And I know that's going to take the energy really way down real suddenly. <laughs> but we know, we know as young adults, we see in our coworkers and our friends and our family in the world around us and people talk about faith, they talk about Christians, they talk about Jesus, um, kind of, you know, the whole of, of how we identify as Christians, there's a lot that comes at us in terms of like, well, the Bible's been misused. And that is true. And it really hurts me and it really hurts a lot of us. Um, And I'm so sorry if that has been you, that scripture has been misused to hurt you or to be weaponized against you. That is not the purpose of scripture, and God's word is more fruitful than that and deserves better than that. And so as we dive in here at Revive and at Hope, we're going to try to offer you to the best of our ability some bumpers. You know, like when you're a little kid and you go bowling and you get those bumpers so that no matter which way you throw the bowling ball, you're still going to be okay. What we are trying to do is we know that as we read God's word together, there's going to be things that we read that are challenging that is okay and actually good. Because if you are not being challenged by the word of God, you're not reading it correctly. But what we're hoping to do is to give you some buffers so that as you read God's word together, we can uh, maybe not fall into some of the ditches that so many people who have gone before us have. And so our hope is that we can really stay in the spirit of what God's word was written to be, which is a love letter to you and to me and to show God's heart for all of us. So a couple of interesting things as we uh, dive into this whole holy year in the Bible, I wanted to just talk about this incredible, amazing book that we were reading. There are a lot of books that are really best-selling books. Well, a lot of books are best-selling. Jamie, that's literally the definition of being a bestseller. (laughs) They sold a lot of books. Uh, But Tale of Two Cities, Lord of the Rings, Hobbit, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, The Da Vinci Code, all of these books have, have become best-selling books over the course of their life. There are hundreds um, of millions of, of these books that have been written, but this is the thing that is fascinating. The Holy Bible would uh, it outsells these books every week of every year. They don't include it on the New York Times bestseller list because it's number one every single week all the time. There have been five billion copies of the Holy Bible sold. Now, another thing that I think is fascinating, The Hobbit has been translated into 40 languages. Harry Potter has been translated into 70-ish. Shakespeare has been translated into eight 80-ish. The Bible has been translated into 3,350 languages, and it's growing. It is the most published and most read book across the globe, period, ever. Nothing has even ever come close. And it's because this word of God is active and living and rich, and it changes people's lives. And it's a really 
I cannot recommend it enough to you. And so I really hope that you decide to dive in this year if you want to do, as Pastor Mike calls it, the slacker track with the New Testament, which I'm like, hey, let's, hey, if you've never read it or if it's been a while, that is not the slacker track. You're actually like, you're doing it. And that's awesome. And I don't want to discourage you. Um, I just, I really hope that you dive into the Bible this year. Use this opportunity to let God's word speak to you and to say something new to you and to possibly change your life for, for forever this year. So here at Revive, as we steer our boat in that exact same direction, we are doing a how-to guide in January. There's all this energy often in January about new year, new me, but I think this year more than previous years, we just have a lot of questions. We're analyzing things. We're looking at our lives in different ways, and so I wanted to do a how-to guide as we embark on this whole holy year of a Bible uh, theme, you are still going to be hearing sermons here at Revive about the same things that you have read. They'll be maybe a little bit different, a lot of bit different than the scripture readings that the weekend passages are being preached on. And so you'll get to hear a lot as you come to Thursdays and also weekends if this is the place that you worship on weekends. So as we dive in tonight, we're going to be reading or uh, learning and talking together about how specifically we read the Bible. But I didn't want to just talk about how to read the Bible. I wanted to give you some hot tips for how to read the Bible like a pastor would. (laughs) This book that might change your life. So before we get into that, though, I'm going to do something that I do semi-often here, and all the introverts hate it, and I'm an introvert, and I know, I know, I hear you, but I'm going to ask you to talk to each other. (laughs) So, I know, I know. So, just for a minute or two, it'll be pretty painless. Turn to two or three people or whoever's near you and share your answers to these questions. Your name, how long you've been coming to revive. On a scale of one to 10, how confident you are about what you can understand when you read the Bible. And just, if there's a question that you have about reading the Bible, whatever that might be. And here's the thing. I'm not asking you to impress people with your Bible knowledge. I'm not asking for you to be like, well, I have an MDiv, and so I know all of the things that there is to know. I'm, I'm just asking for you to connect with each other, which is, I know, a tall ask for some of us, but I'm asking you to connect with each other. So just two or three minutes, turn to two or three people near you and answer these questions. On your marks, get set, Go.
All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Take another few seconds, finish up. All right, turn to your conversation partner and say, you're actually all right. All right, you can turn back around and face forward. I'm, man, the buzz in the room is really exciting to me. That was really, do you guys feel the energy in the room tonight? Hot crowd, that's so fun. Okay, I am about to present to you a polarizing divide that has really, or a polarizing debate rather, that has polarized and divided the nation. It's been a while since this one has come up. Do you remember this? What color is the dress? How many of you think it is white and gold? (laughs) How many of you say it is blue and black? Yeah, it's funny. I, many of you know Chris Kimston. Okay, settle down, settle down. (laughs) Quiet Fox, everyone. (laughs) I said it was divisive. I didn't know it'd be this divisive. I was showing our good friend Chris Kimston, who works here on staff and is a friend of Revive, this today. And he was like, oh yeah, I only ever see white and gold. And I was like, I literally never see white and gold. I only see blue and black. So then we fought about it for a little bit. (laughs) It's the same sort of thing with this dress when we approach scripture. Actually, I was listening to uh, an interview with a psychologist about this on the Today Show when this debate first sparked. And he was talking about how it's actually a difference in perspective. It's a difference in how our eyes see things. And that's why different people see different colors in this dress. It is so the same when we approach reading God's word together. Have you ever heard of something uh, divisive about God's word? I got to tell you, I grew up in a church that wasn't Lutheran, which is fine. But we grew up, I grew up in a church that was really conservative. It was, um, And uh, then we switched to a church when I was in sixth grade that was a lot more liberal. And I heard very different things about baptism. I heard very different things about salvation. I heard very different things about confirmation and if you could lose your salvation, all of these different things. And I was wildly confused. How do people get the same or how do people get such different thoughts when they're reading this same book? It's like the dress. We all have perspective that we bring to this book when we're looking at it, even when we're looking at it intently. And so I want to teach you, to the best of my ability, how to read the Bible like a pastor would. And allow me a slight soapbox for a moment. Pastor Mike talked about this this weekend, and I was like, yes, preach, and also I'm going to say the exact same thing. (laughs) We have a lot of really awesome content on our phones from Instagram, TikTok, whatever, Um, of people that are pastors or pastor type people, Bible teachers that are trying to help you learn about God's word. Here's the thing. There will be a lot of contradicting things that you hear. There will be a lot of things that make you feel really confused. I I want to encourage you that just because someone creates content that is visually appealing and sounds passionate, that doesn't necessarily mean that it is studied, that that person is accredited, and what they have to say is actually the spirit um, that, that God wants you to know. And so I encourage you to utilize, I'm not saying this to promote hopes stuff, although if you, Pastor Mike said this, and this was great, if you line up all of our pastors and Bible teachers here, I hope you have over a 100 
hundred years of experience right now on staff. We have a lot of things that we want to offer to you. And that's not to say that you can't find really good content elsewhere. You can. Just use some discernment and use some filters and hopefully, hopefully the things that we talk about tonight can help give you a lens. You know, like when you're at the eye doctor, those of you who know what I'm talking about and they're like, is it A or B? You're like B and they're like B or C, C, C. Or, and they, you're just like, oh my gosh, I just want to find the ones that make my eyes work. It's kind of like that, right? Like there's all of these filters that you have to filter through. I'm hoping to get you as close to 2020 vision as I can in like 10 minutes. (laughs) So we're going to try. We're going to cover a lot of material. This should be a whole series. And I'm just going to blitz you (laughs) with all of what I know uh, as as much as I can pack in. And so let's put our seatbelts on and dive in. So things that shape our reading of scripture, aka what lenses am I looking through? We have our language lens. I'm going to, to, to say something shocking to you. This book was not written in English. It has been, what? (gasps) It has been translated into our language, which means that the the translators had some decisions to make. Uh, When I was taking my Greek course, one of our uh, professors told us that there was a pastor somewhere. I'm not even gonna say where they were from because I feel like that just, that's not helpful. But there was a pastor somewhere at one point in time who said, you know, if English was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus didn't write in English. Jesus didn't speak English. Although there's some interesting theological questions to ask about, did Jesus, since he was God, did he know about English before it was even a language? Interesting. We're not even going to go there tonight. (laughs) But we... Um, Our language has been shaped by our culture. Our culture isn't shaped by our language. Our our culture, uh, what am I trying to say? Our culture shapes the things that we say to one another. The ways that we act and how we interact in this world adds words to our dictionary. (laughs) And so our language is a filter through which we read God's word. And sometimes it's not helpful. Sometimes there can be hangups there. Our history of how we were raised um, in our country, there's, there's a lot of history that we bring to reading God's word together. There's our culture, there's our worldview that sometimes we need to be reminded isn't everyone's worldview, it's just ours and the people like us, but someone somewhere else has a worldview that's different and it's, there's nothing right or wrong about it. They just have, we have completely unique experiences that shape how we see the world. And so we bring that with us when we read God's word together, our experiences and our assumptions. We read God's word through all of those things in the same way that we see other people through those things. And so some other uh, things that are good for us to keep in mind then as we're looking at these things that shape our reading, C.S. Lewis, the incredible spiritual and faith Christian writer said this. He talked about there's two kinds of reading when you're reading Bible or any text. Reading in which we use a book for our own purposes and the reading in which we receive the author's purposes. The first ensures only bad reading. The second opens the possibility to good reading. I would encourage you as you're reading God's word this year, don't look for things that just reinforce your worldview. Look for what God is trying to communicate to you in something that you maybe haven't even thought of yet. How is God wanting to blow your mind wide open with something you've never even thought of yet as you're reading it this year? Because scripture reading that only reinforces our own human ideologies is a poor reading of scripture, and it will only lead you to hurting other people. Thanks. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, 
Another thing that shapes our reading and uh, helps you to read Bible like a pastor is to consider what the genre is. Now, we have all sorts of genres of scripture now. You read a love letter differently than you read your Facebook feed or your Instagram feed or whatever. You read that differently than the news. You read that differently than a poem. You read that differently than a to-do list or differently than even text messages. And even within a text, I was talking with somebody about this earlier today. They were talking about ellipses, you know, the multiple dot, 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 dots. That means one thing if it comes from a significant other than it does your grandma, Mm -hmm. right? You understand already what that is. We have to apply our understanding of difference of genre to this book because there are different genres all over the Bible. I was trying to find a less nerdy version of this, but this is the best that I could find on a quick Google search today. So here's a bookshelf, a rudimentary but well-built bookshelf of the different genres that you can find in the Bible. Because here's the thing, this book, this incredible book has multiple authors written over a span of many centuries. It's not just one person one day who decided to write down and write from start to finish this whole thing. So there's different authors, different time periods, and different genres. The Old Testament starts with the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, also called the Torah. There's a lot of the law. So when you start, you're going to start with Genesis. You might be like, oh, I recognize some of these names, like Isaac or Jacob or Rachel or Leah, Abraham, Sarah. You're going to get to Exodus. There's going to be Moses. And you're like, I remember hearing that name. Then you're going to get to Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and want to just chuck the Bible somewhere where this... (laughs) Sun doesn't shine and never touch it again because it's going to be frustrating. Know that that is law genre written to a particular group of people at a particular time. Some of those laws we still follow now, some of them we don't. We're going to be diving in this year to the difference in in how we decide what we uh, follow and what we don't. Then there's history, which is a big chunk of the Old Testament that comes next, and it is not necessarily written chronologically. I know, it can be kind of confusing, so know that going into it. Also, we have chronological Bibles uh, in Cafe Hope or online that you can purchase. Then there's poetry and wisdom literature. Then there's prophets, kind of the big name prophets, and then the little name prophets. There's gospel when we get to the New Testament. There's gospel Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, because they walked with Jesus. They're telling you stories about Jesus. Then we get to Paul's writings. That's a little bit different because there's some history, but then there's letters, There's letters to specific communities, to entire communities, and then there is apocalyptic literature at the beginning and somewhere in the middle of the Bible with like Ezekiel, with Revelation. There's all sorts of different genres, and you can't read poetry the same way that you read law. Mm, It just doesn't work. It's not going to be as exciting. (laughs) So you have to know that when you're reading through scripture. I also encourage you to consider timeline. As you read through scripture, you're going to begin to piece together, oh my goodness, this comes before this, and that makes this whole thing make sense, and why didn't I know this before? It's going to be very exciting, I promise you. So when you're reading something, always ask yourself, what comes right before this? What comes right after this? What were the authors doing as they were writing this story and putting it together? Is this pre-Jesus or post-Jesus? Is this pre-exile or post-exile? If you don't even know what the exile is, that's so exciting. You get to dive into that. And then we get to culture and our cultural context. And this, my friends, is one of 
All of it is really important, but this is one of the most important. To consider the cultural context that this piece of literature, when you're reading through this library of texts, was written to. And you can ask yourself questions, was this text written for a Jewish audience or a non-Jewish audience? Was this written for people pre-Jesus, post-Jesus? Was this written for a Roman or a Gentile context? How did these people think about servants in this culture that this text was being written to? What's their concept of justice? Are they big city folk? Are they small town folk? <laughs> what are the, who is the audience? And then, this is a diagram that I wish I could make larger text for you, but there's just too much to fit. This is the cultural iceberg, and if you ever take any cross-cultural anthropology classes, or mission trip classes, or uh, we, we looked at this in one of my seminary classes, we all have these icebergs that are a part of our cultural awareness and what we see. So there's a the little bit of the iceberg that is easily observable, and then there's a lot going on under the surface. So when you are maybe traveling abroad, you have maybe experienced something like this, there are things that are easy to see when we're in our culture looking at a different culture. And those things are fine arts, the drama, cooking, food, popular music, the way that people dress. There are things that are really easy to see from one culture to another easily observable. You can just use your eyeballs and see them. Then there are things that are a lot more difficult to see that are not readily available and that you might easily misstep on because you don't know it's there. There are things like facial expressions that are different, concepts of modesty, the ordering of time, conceptions of cleanliness, definitions of sin, relationship to animals, patterns of superior subordinate relations, arrangement of physical space, all sorts of social interaction cues. If you are a white man and you go to the Middle East and talk to a woman, there are some cultural norms that you could very easily misstep on using eye contact or physical proximity. And you might just be like, oh, I'm talking to you, so I'm gonna step close to you and look you in the eye. And that would be very, it would, it would create a host of problems. There are all sorts of these things culturally that are not as easily accessible to us because they're under the surface of the waterline. The same thing is true when we're approaching scripture because we live now in the United States of Mexico, uh, the United States of, I don't know. <laughs> I had too much... I had too much caffeine today, and it just makes weird things happen. So we live in the United States of America. We live in the Western world. We live in the Midwest. When you think about your understanding of life now, trying to understand literature that was written on the other side of the world in a Middle Eastern context over 2,000 years ago, there are layers of things there that will not be readily available that you have to know are there. So you can't just read something in the Old Testament, particularly, <laughs> and be like, oh, that's so bad, terrible. I'm gonna throw the whole Bible out because this one thing makes me mad and I don't believe it. And so I'm right, the Bible is wrong. There's part of this, oh my, <laughs> there's part of this cultural thing that's going on that we can get curious about and ask ourselves questions. I wonder what's happening here. I wonder why I'm getting so stirred up about it. So we gotta pay attention to that. I could say a lot more about that, but we're going to keep moving. We have to consider who is the first audience of this writing. How would they have heard these words? A couple of very quick examples. 1 Corinthians 13, if you've ever been to a wedding, you've probably heard the love is patient, love is kind passage. And it would be interesting uh, for you to know then that that passage was not actually written for people in love. 
It was actually written for a church deeply embedded in conflict. And then when you hear that it starts with love is patient and love is kind and it keeps no record of wrongs, you start to see that passage in a completely different light. Same thing with Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That was written by a man who was in prison. In, in that day, prison was a cave. He probably wasn't being fed much. It was dark. It was damp. It was not a healthy place to be. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Comes across very differently in that context who, because uh, of who he was writing to. Jeremiah 29, 11 is a, a beautiful phrase um, in scripture verse about how God has a plan for you, plans for for your prospering and not for your harm. That was written to a people in exile who didn't know if they were ever gonna get to go home. Those verses still stand true as they are for you and me, but we have to also consider who is the first audience and how was it intended to be written because that's actually gonna unlock way more for you when you read scripture than it just appears at face value. So I don't know think we did that in 10 minutes, but we came close. So we have to look at genre, culture, timeline, context, and audience. That was a lot. I'm going to break that up a little bit and not tell you my stuff. I'm going to invite a guest to come on up. Everybody welcome Taylor. Taylor's going to come on up and share with you a little bit about her story of reading through scripture together. Taylor, I'm going to bring a stool on over here for you. So Taylor... Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm from Des Moines, born and raised. Um, started coming to Hope when I was in high school, but I never actually went through like a confirmation process or like Bible school when I was a kid. So I decided to read the Bible two years ago. So um, I always kind of felt a little bit left out. Like I didn't understand, you know, everyone knowing off the top of their head a scripture verse. I was like, that's foreign. How'd you learn that? And so I decided to read it, but I I read the Bible in a little under a year in chronological order. And let me tell you, chronological order helps. If you've never read it, didn't grow up that way, it helped me a lot um, and helped in understanding of what was going on. So I always came to church and I would like bring a notebook. It was like I was studying every week because I wanted to learn and I wanted to know what everyone else seemed to know around me. And eventually, so I started reading it January 5th of 2021, and in April, I came to church, and they were talking about a story that I had read about, and I felt like I just knew what was going on. I was like, I, I felt so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I you like, were. I, I felt You are, it. yeah. So I told everyone around me, I was like, I know this one. I read about it. This is what happens. This is what they're going to tell you. <laughs> and it just really, it was like in that moment, it felt like I was doing it for a purpose, that I finally understood what was going on, and I felt like I belonged, and I didn't always have to take as good of detailed notes. I still bring my notebook, and I still take notes, but um, it kind of helped in that way, and, and that's really how it started. Yeah, what made you want to do, to tackle the Bible in a year on your own? Well, um, I knew someone who had done it previously, and then I was just, I wanted to dive deeper into my faith, so I'd never... I'd never gone to classes, I'd never done anything before, and so I decided to start with the Bible so that I would learn those verses and really kind of understand 
what everyone else knew and feel kind of like I knew what was going on sometimes when they're talking about different stories. And reading it in chronological order helped with the context of what happens before and after the story because I always heard the story. And yep, makes sense, understand, check. But understanding the context like you talked about, the before and the after and what's happening in the time really helped, I think, deepen my understanding when I was going to church and hearing those lessons. Yeah. Are there other things that have been different for you when you've now finished reading through the whole Bible in a year and you look back and you're like, oh my goodness, I understand this thing so much differently? I think when things resonate with you in church, it, it, it hits different now <laughs> that I like read it uh, because you understand the context. But in that moment, I would go to church often and sometimes I would be like, I this doesn't resonate with me today. Like, this just isn't what I'm going through. And then other times I'd be reading the Bible and I was like, this is exactly what I needed to hear today. It, it's exactly my life circumstance, even though I was supposed to read it on January 23rd, <laughs> like everyone else was. It just, it resonates a lot more when I was going to church and it helped me kind of want to, want to learn more and want to dive deeper. So I ended up taking Alpha in the middle of reading the Bible, which is actually super helpful. So if you've never done it, I highly recommend um, because you can ask those questions to your leaders, to the staff. And I didn't pay her to say that. No, I did take it, I swear. <laughs> but it really, it's, it was a great opportunity. So then I just continued to dive deeper into my faith. And so after I started reading the Bible, I actually reached out to Jamie to start the confirmation process because I had never done that. Um, a little different when you're in your 20s and you want to go through it, but it's really, really cool. Will you tell everybody a little bit about your confirmation process and what that's been like for you? Yeah. So I, well, so I started reading the Bible and then I emailed Jamie and I was like, hey, I don't know what this is supposed to look like as an adult. Um, I know what, what kids go through. They go through classes and all of that. Do we have anything like that? And no, um, at the time. But now, so what the process has been, so I read the Bible, and then I went to Alpha, and then I dove deeper, and I went to After Alpha, and learned a lot about prayer, and kind of continuing that education, Um, and then I read the small catechism, super helpful, sorry, if no one ever tells you to read that, read it, because it tells you all about baptism and all of the components you hear people talk about, and we might like breeze over just in regular service, it tells you like why, and there's an explanation. Anyway, sorry. Um, so I did that, <laughs> and then um, now I am taking the What Lutherans Believe class. Um, it's online like After Alpha is, and then I'm going to do a faith statement like the rest of the confirmation classes do. So I'm pretty excited. It's been like two, it'll be like two and a half years in the process, but it's really exciting. I've been really impressed that you've kept with it. Every time we connect <laughs> about it, I'm like, this girl's going to just like given up, like so many people do, but you've kept at it, which has honestly been really inspiring to me. So good job, Taylor. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Last question for you. What encouragement do you have for people who are diving in this year and they're just at the very beginning? Is it easy every day? Well, so it's not, it's not always (laughs) encouragement. It's, it's hard. It gets hard. Um, reading Genesis, so in chronological order, Genesis still starts first, and it's <laughs> tough. It, the, it's not a flowy passage, like when you get to like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, like those are so easy, it's very flowy, it's conversational. It can get tough, um, 
but just stick to it. Remember like the reason why you're wanting to do it. You're wanting to learn more. You're wanting to keep up even just with putting a gold star. That's awesome. Um, but it'll get tough, um, but then it, it eventually gets easier. It's a part of your daily life. And then sometimes it feels like a chore, and I'll be the first to say it. We all feel like it's not supposed to be a chore. That's okay. I, there were so many times that I would like tell my fiance that I was like, I don't want to do this today. This is, it takes me between five and 20 minutes, depending on the passage, and it's just too much. And he's like, well, you have to remember why you're doing it, because it shouldn't be just like the thing you dread every day. But it's okay. You'll get through it. Try again tomorrow. Reset your perspective. But just remember your why of why you're doing it. And find, like, some encouragement buddies. Like, I would tell my fiancé, my best friend, I was like, this is what I learned today. This is so cool. And, like, they had been through, like, traditional confirmation processes. They know passages, like, back their hand. They're like, yeah, this is awesome. You're going to get to the next part, and it's even better. And so it's just really fun that way. So just try to find a buddy or, or someone here at Revive that you can keep accountable with or just chat about it. Can I ask you one more question? Sure. How do you feel different now? Do you feel different now that you've gone through this process and read the Bible in a year? I'd say since my kind of reasoning behind it was one, I want to be a little bit more feel like I know what's going on, more included. I just feel, I feel better of when I come to church and I don't feel like so much of I have to like learn or hang on to every single word that you say. It's like, oh, I get it. Like this, it, it resonates a lot more once you read it. Um, or even just like doing like certain passages, like in the New Testament, it just resonates a lot more. And I think I just I just feel like a lot better, like a weight's lifted almost <laughs> that I've gone through this process. That's awesome, Taylor. Thank you so much for sharing yeah, tonight. Thanks. Will you thank Taylor for coming and sharing? I feel like it hits different when you're not hearing like a pastor type person talk about it. Like Taylor's just an awesome, normal human, just like all of you are awesome, normal, and I'm awesome and normal also. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I heard that chuckle. That was great. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I wanted you to hear about it from somebody who did it, who's a normal young adult, and let that be an encouragement for you. So before we begin to wrap up, I have a couple quick resources that I wanted to share with you in addition to all of Hope's resources. Now, lest you get overwhelmed with all of these resources, I invite you to just consider what's going to be like the one or two most helpful for you. And if you do all of these, awesome. But I think a lot of people would get stuck and overwhelmed in doing everything. So I wanted to just give you some uh, additional things to kind of utilize if they help you. The Bible Project is awesome. They have YouTube videos for every book of the Bible explaining the layout, the flow, what to expect when you're reading that book of the Bible. The Lectio 365 app gives you a daily dive into reading scripture. It's, the, it's a different reading plan, so just know that going into it, but they have a lot of really good reflective questions about it. We have these, uh, the Bible for Everyone books in our bookstore. Each book is, I think, around $10, give or take 
$4. <laughs> and there's a book for every book of the Bible, and there's just a couple paragraphs about what you're reading, and they're easy to read. A lot of Hope's pastors utilize these as commentaries when we're preparing messages, and it, but it's not for pastors, it's for everyone. It's literally the Bible for everyone, so you can utilize those. I have a lot of study Bibles, but one of the ones that I needed to get for school was the Jewish New Testament, and there's a ton of resources in there. I really love it. I brought, I'm, I'm a super nerd, you guys. I brought almost all my Bibles, and I was like, if I get the opportunity to tell you about them, I'm going to. So uh, I have my Hebrew Bible that is still in its case, <laughs> lest you think I'm that cool. <laughs> I have my teen study Bible that I got in this time period. Uh, there's a lot of fun things about teenagers. Obviously, the first thing that I did was to read all of the like Q&As, particularly the things about sex, because I was 13, and I was like, what does the Bible say about it? <laughs> Disappointingly little. <laughs> <laughs> I have my Greek New Testament. I have my Jewish annotated New Testament. I have my study Bible that was required for school that has the Apocrypha in it, which that's another sermon for another time. And I have my scribe study Bible from the message translation that has like space on the margins for you to write. All of that to say, find a Bible that you're going to enjoy reading. Don't think you have to have the study Bible or you have to have like this big complicated thing. It could just be the free version of Bibles that we have out in the atrium. It's all the Bible. Don't let all the different options overwhelm you. Find you something that will help you take the first step and then the next step and then the next step. And if reading something like a social science commentary that goes along with it helps you, utilize it. Just don't let yourself get bogged down by too many options. We're just hoping you open the Bible. We're just hoping you read it. Reading it one day, is, if you haven't read it the previous day, is more than you did the previous day, and you get a gold star for that, literally. So don't let all the options overwhelm you. Coming back to Jesus and what Jesus has to say. When Jesus talks about this in the New Testament, we read this today in our daily Bible readings, Jesus says, anyone who listens to my teaching, and Jesus is the word of God, the incarnate, living, active word of God, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. The thing that Jesus is say, well, Jesus is saying a lot of things here, but one of the things Jesus is saying is it's not if winds come, it's not if floods come, it's not if there are storms. Those are assumed. Storms in life are given. Difficulties are a given. Jesus knows that there will be things that we will have to weather. But Jesus says anyone who reads this, who listens to it is wise and those things will not overcome you. You have chosen a strong foundation to build your life on. You have chosen wisely, Jesus says, when you dive into this book. And we can trust Jesus. Eugene Peterson, who is one of the most incredible Bible scholars of our time, he translated the message, translation of the Bible. He says this, and it's a little wordy. I know it's maybe a little bit of death by PowerPoint, but I love how he really adds some phenomenal perspective as we read the Bible together. 
Uh, this is from a book called Eat This Book, where he's referencing something from the book of Revelation where an angel shows up and, and commands someone to actually eat a scroll. And the angel says, it's going to taste like honey, but then as you digest it, it's going to turn sour in your stomach because sometimes the word of God comforts you and sometimes it challenges you. And so he wrote this book about what it's like to consume God's word, to eat this book. He says, As we cultivate a participatory mindset in relation to our Bibles, we need a complete renovation of our imaginations. We are accustomed to thinking of the biblical world as smaller than the secular world. Telltale phrases give us away. We talk of making the Bible relevant to the world as if the world is the fundamental reality and then the Bible is something that somehow is going to help it or fix it. What we must never be encouraged to do, although all of us are guilty of it over and over, is to force scripture to fit our experience. Our experience is too small. It's like trying to put the ocean into a thimble. What we want is to fit the world. We want to fit into the world revealed by scripture to swim in this vast vast ocean. What God is doing in in giving us the Bible and giving us this holy word is showing us who God is, is showing us God's heart for us, is revealing a slice, a small slice of God's action in this world that you and I are a part of. You and I get to be a a part of the story of what God is doing. And reading the Bible gets us into understanding what it is that God is doing in our lives now. Because as Pastor Richard always says, how can you understand what God is going to say if you don't understand what God has already said? How can you understand what God is going to do if you don't know what God has already done? And so we see ourselves as a part of what God has been doing in this world because it's good, it's important. And what you will see when you read through this book is that time and time and time again, human beings will mess up. You and I are going to mess up. These, uh, so often we look at these Bible people as heroes, and they are, but they are not perfect. And the only hero in scripture is God, because God never gives up. God never gives up on the messed up people in here. God never gives up on you and me, no matter how many times you try and get it right. And so one of the questions I want to ask you as we begin this year begin this whole holy year in a Bible journey or whatever you kind of are hoping or is in store for you this year. As you look at building your life with one building block at a time, as Jesus is talking about, what do you want for your spiritual life? And what do you want your spiritual life to look like at the end of 2023? What do you want to be going into 2024 with? I know that might be really overwhelming, but now is a good time to think about it like that. And what could reading God's word do in your life this year? And then how can you see yourself as a part of the grand story that God is revealing through scripture and the Holy Spirit's work in the world? You're not out here on an island somehow separate from God's work in the world. You are a part of it. You are such an important part of it that God made sure that you existed. You are integral to what God is doing in the story of the world. There may be books written about you. There may not be books written about you, but you are still part of God's movement in the world. The whole point of the Bible is to point you to a good God who deeply loves you. He wrote you this letter, essentially a love letter, an unconditional love letter to make sure that you know the depths to which God will go to let you know. This book has survived 
so much. It has survived centuries. It has survived millennia. It has survived persecution. It has been published and published and translated and translated, not just because somebody decided one day to write a cool story, but because the God of the universe wanted you to know how much he loves you. Let that sink in. God sees you. God knows you. God knows what you're carrying. And God wants to tell you how much God loves you through this book. And I can't wait to see what God does in your life through it this year. And so as we close, there's all sorts of ways that we digest, um, that we digest and participate in God's work in our lives. And one of those things is communion. And so we're gonna do that in a minute. But before we do that, I wanted to just kind of close with a little bit of a prayer. This is gonna be from Psalm 19. And I'd like to just spend a, a moment of quiet reading this. And if you would like to get comfortable, if you wanna keep your eyes open, you can. If you wanna keep your eyes closed, you can. And I'm gonna read this actually from the message translation, if I can pull this up here. So this is a psalm written hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago about God's word. Let it be fresh for you today. See what stands out for you. The revelation of God is whole and it pulls our lives together. The signposts of God are clear and point out the right road. The life maps of God are right, showing the way to joy. The directions of God are plain and easy on the eyes. God's reputation is 24 karat gold with a lifetime guarantee. The decisions of God are accurate down to the nth degree. God's word is better than a diamond, better than a diamond set between emeralds. You'll like it better than strawberries in spring, better than red ripe strawberries. There's more. God's word warns us of danger and directs us to hidden treasure. Otherwise, how will we find our way? Or know when we play the fool? Clean our slates, God so we can start the day fresh. Keep me from stupid sins, from thinking I can take over your work. Then I can start this day sun-washed, scrubbed clean of the grime of sin. These are the words in my mouth. These are what I chew on and pray. Accept them when I place them on the morning altar. Oh God, my altar rock, God, priest of my altar. God, we love you. We thank you for your word that you've given to us. We thank you for the ways that we can't even comprehend the work that you've done. We know a lot of the things that you have done, but there's so much more that we haven't. God, wherever it is that we find ourselves today, would your word speak to us? Would you tell us how much you love us? And would you remind us every day or however often it is that we crack open this book that this was written for us? It was written for you, for me. It was written for all of the people that you've created everywhere. God, we thank you for your love, for your grace, and for the ways that you love us too much to let us stay the exact same. We, live off, we lift all these things to you in Jesus' name and all God's kids said, amen. So we're gonna celebrate communion this way that Jesus gives himself to us time and time again. It was on the, oh, I gotta put my water bottle down. Hang on. <laughs> it was on the night that Jesus was betrayed that he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take and eat, this is my body given for you. 
And then after dinner, he took the cup, and they, as they passed it around and drank out of it, he said, this is my blood poured out for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Every time you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you do this to remember me. And so Jesus gives himself to you. He gives himself to us. And we believe that it is in this meal, this very small meal, because Jesus has promised to encounter us, to commune with us, that we will experience him. And so a couple of housekeeping things. You can come forward as you feel led during the song. We don't have any ushers. You can just come on forward. You can eat the bread that is handed to you, and then you can pick a little cup out. The cup, um, or the little cups are filled with dark colored wine or light colored grape juice. I wanted to make sure that I double checked. And then you can put those in the little baskets right over here, these little cups. And then you can return to your seat. And if you would like to remain in your seat for communion, Kelsey is right over here with a staff lanyard, and you can just flag her down and she'll bring you some communion if that's easier for you. I invite you to stand and we're going to stay our table grace of the Lord's Prayer and then you can come on up as you feel led using the center aisle here and then you can return to your seats using the side aisles. Communion servers, you can come on up. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Jesus is the host of this meal, and he invites anybody who wants more of him in their life to come on up. So come and eat. Thanks for listening, everyone. Revive West Des Moines happens every Thursday night at Hope in West Des Moines, and we'd love to connect with you on social media. So find us and let us know where you're listening from. And whenever you're in town, we would love to have you come to Revive and join us live. Peace out, Scouts.